but I just, what, what's been on my heart, so if you just, you can just close your eyes for a second maybe, and just, I'm just going to pray a, a, a quick word over us. And So Father God, I thank you that you speak and teach in every one of us here. Father God, I thank you that you are uh, the God of revelation. Father God, I thank you as we always pray for new revelation. Father God, today we will seek your new revelation. Father, we thank you that you're also bringing to pass some of the old revelation that people have had to, Father, and bringing it back into their life. So, Father God, I thank you that you've given us ears not only to hear the message, Father, but you've given us a born-again spirit to receive the message. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. So, I want to start with this one statement. And it's a pretty simple state, statement. And Cassie and I were talking about this, about this. It says, hate what you're fighting against and love what you're fighting for. You've got to make a stand sometime as in, your, in your walk with Christ in, in this world. You've got to hate what you're fighting against and love what you're fighting for. It's not about hating people or anything like that. It's just about certain things in our lives that we tolerate, that we allow to creep into our lives. Sometimes if we don't hate those things that, that keep us down, they're just going to continue to manifest in our lives. And we need to love those things, what we're shooting for. God is, like we sing about all the time here, his love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Is it just a song, or do you believe that? When you have that revelation, that his love never fails for you, then you can receive that love, and then you can receive anything from God. And when you're receiving from God, and receiving from God, and receiving from God, other things got to flee. They got to go. Talk about in James 4, 7 about submitting yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You do it simultaneously. I spit myself to God and I resist the devil and he has to flee. That's what it says. It's a simultaneous act. I'm submitting, I'm submitting, I'm submitting. I'm resisting and I'm resisting. The more you submit to God, the more things you turn over to God, the easier it is going to be to resist certain things that come in our lives. So you don't need to tolerate anything in your life that's not of God. You don't. I'm going to say to be a victorious Christian, you need to be intolerant of many things that people try to throw at us. I know in the politically correct world of the United States of America, intolerance is not a, a proper word. Well, I like the word because I don't have to tolerate anything that doesn't line up with what God's word says. So we only need to believe what God says is true, submit to that, and draw near to the truth. See, if you don't know what he says about you or about any situation, then you're going to be lost in your life. You're going to be lost in your personal situation. You have to find out what God says about it. See, many of us have confessed that Jesus is Lord, and that's great. I believe that. It's, it's an awesome thing. But I think there's too many of us who haven't considered Jesus in everything. So I've got a simple question for you. It makes sense to me. Maybe you think it's a dumb question. Maybe if you're an English teacher here, you'll think it's crazy. But have you ever considered the word consider? Think about that. I always come up with some good words, don't I? One day it was reckon. I thought reckon was like the best Bible word ever. When he talked about reckoning, you know, just get my guns on my belt, and I reckon that to be the truth, you know? Ten-gallon hat. But I was reading through Scripture, and there's a few Scriptures in there I talk about consider. Consider this, consider not that. And I thought, that's, what does that word mean? What, is it, what does it entail? So if you're going to consider, I mean, one of the Bible definitions, or uh, 
dictionary definition says, consider means to think about something carefully in order to make a choice or a decision. Makes sense, right? Did you consider all the options, someone might tell you, when you're choosing to go to college or you're choosing to, to get a new job, you know? Sometimes in the Christian life, that's where we get ourselves in trouble is because we consider all the options. There's lots of options out there in the world will tell you there's tons of options. So the phrase consider not would mean not to think about something to make a choice or decision, right? You see that in the Bible a few times. It talks about consider not. In Mark 6.52, we are told of a time when the people who spent the most time with Jesus failed to consider the things of God and instead considered their own thoughts, ideas, and their surrounding circumstances. And what happened to them? They resisted God, who was there with them all the time for three and a half years, and they submitted to their fear. Mark 6.52 says this, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. I've talked about having a hard heart, or what a hard heart looks like here before. It's just not a mean person. It's just what your heart gets sensitive to, it's going to harden to other things. If you're sensitive to the things of the world, your heart's going to harden to the things of God. But more importantly, if your, things, if your heart gets sensitive to all the things of God, it's going to do a great thing in your life. It's going to harden your heart to the things of the world. So having a hardened heart isn't a bad thing if it's hardened to the right things. Does that make sense? So Mark 6.52 says, we're told of a time when Jesus was with his disciples for three and a half years, and the scripture says, they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Now almost everybody in here has heard stories about how Jesus turned a few pieces of bread and fish into many. It's two stories in the Bible. The scripture reminds us of what Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. He did that right in front of them. It also shows us that when they were on trial for their lives out there in a boat, they forgot what Jesus had already did for them. They forgot. Think about that. We maybe get a pass once in a while when we don't consider all the things Jesus did for us because it happened 2,000 years ago. And thank goodness we celebrate Easter once a year just to remind us that, hey, wow, yes. Hopefully we're, we're, we're pondering that on a daily basis. But sometimes there's people that just need to get here and check out the cross and go, oh, yes. But think about these disciples. It was days before, a few hours before, that Jesus did all these miracles. And then when things came into their lives, what happened? They forgot Jesus, and they focused on their circumstances, their situations, and things turned bad for them. You know, Jesus always came to the rescue. He always did. He always had some words for them. You have little faith. Get behind me, Satan. He always had some words for them. But he was always there in love. He was always there. So I'm going to read Mark 6, 50, Mark 6, 41 through 52. I think most of it is up on the, on the board there. But I didn't put it all up there. It says, and when he'd taken up the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed. He broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. There's 5,000 guys there, right? You know, there's probably more than that because they don't, didn't count women and children back then. So that maybe it's double that. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before into Bethsaida while he sent the people away. 
and he, and he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. I'm going to stop there just for one second because why would Jesus need to pray? Why would God need to pray? It's God. He knows everything. But to me, the scripture just shows you he was a man. Like anyone else, he needed to get away from the hustle and bustle of his friends, the, the, the unbelievers, all these people, and just go into a cave and pray. So if Jesus could do that, I look at myself and go, yeah, I think I should be doing that too. It's a good thing. But it shows, and that's not the point of my scripture, but I just, I just noticed that, that as a man, he needed to pray. And it just shows you that he came to earth as a man. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he, and he alone at the, on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them. I like that. They wouldn't have said anything. He probably just would have cruised on the other side. That's what it says. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They were scared. Oh, it's a ghost. It's not the guy that just broke all the bread and saved everybody. It's the ghost. And we're all going to die out here. And they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately, and immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And he went up into the ship, and the wind ceased. Isn't it amazing? He says, be a good cheer, it is I. He doesn't just calm the storm and then speak into these guys and say, listen up, you knuckleheads. I've got to stop the storm because there's too much going. He calms them, sh shows himself who he is to them, then he climbs up into the ship, and then it ceases. That might not mean anything to you, but I read them and was like, wow, that's pretty cool. First thing he does, the first thing Jesus does in the life of someone who has faith in Jesus, when you call out to him in your despair, when you're crying, in your negativity, in your unbelief, whatever you call out to him, he calms you. He speaks to you. And what does it say? Your storm may, or your situation in life, may stretch out a little longer. But it doesn't deny the fact that Jesus has spoken into you and says, hey, it's me. It's going to be okay. I believe in God and doing many things instantly. God can take a situation and he can just stop it just like that. But sometimes we've got to ride out a storm a little bit. A storm most of the times that we've put ourselves in, almost every time that the enemy is thrown in our path. For they considered not the miracle of the lows, for their heart was hardened. So you just sit back and they think and they're like, oh boy, why didn't we just consider Jesus? He constrained us to go out into the water we're fishermen. We know better. We know there's a storm coming. But he's done so many awesome things in our sight. He's got to be on to something. Why don't we just get in the ship and roar our way over to the other side because Jesus is going to be with us. They didn't think that. They like, did like everybody else in this room does. They start panicking a little bit and freaking out. And they start looking at the situation and the circumstance. And pretty soon, you're going nowhere. It says they rode for hours and went nowhere. How many people come here to church today all week have rode for hours and you feel like you've gone nowhere but backwards? Wow. It happened before. It's going to happen every day in, in the life of your human being. You're going to have to row sometimes and sometimes you feel like you're going nowhere because you're just rowing against Jesus. Got to let him do work in your life. So I like to ask myself, what happened to these guys? Were they just like that dense? They didn't get it? Yeah. <laughs> But I would look in the mirror sometimes and go, or look out over here, and I'm not pointing fingers, but I could look in the mirror sometimes and go, 
Are you that dense? Do you not get it? Do you not consider the miracle of the loaves, Mark? It's like it's there for all of us. It's just a good example of how we can get ourselves into unbelief. Not that we don't believe in God or believe in Jesus or believe in the word. We just get in unbelief and we start believing the situation and the things that are piling up in our lives and not the Savior. The thing that stands out to me, and I see it in many believers, is they did not consider the miracle of the loaves. They forgot the victories of Christ. Forgot it. It's okay. See, we have a loving God. It's not okay that you forgot them. You got yourself into a mess. But God says, it's okay that you forgot about me. I'm there for you. Everybody somewhere in the last couple weeks has forgot about God in a certain situation in their life and just did it their own way. And God's not there to beat you over the head with a frying pan or kick you in the teeth, like some people might say. He just says, you know what? I'm here for you. I'll calm the storm, get in the boat with you, and I'll get you to the other side. That's what he says. They became sensitive to their senses. They became dull to the things of God. And this is, they considered, they took into account things not of God and let fear cast a shadow of doubt. That's all Satan needs to do is cast just a little shadow of doubt. Right? It's a little shadow of doubt. Doesn't need to be anything big. You don't need to be stricken with the worst thing that could possibly happen. All Satan needs to do is just put a little doubt in between your ears and he can sit back and we can do the rest. Or we can just say, Get behind me, Satan. I don't believe those words. And I'm going to go with what God says. We do that lots. We do the other things lots. And thus, I am man. But you know what? I'm a born-again man, though. And so it gives me the opportunity to go back to the Father and say, you know what? I blew it. And this is where I'm going. So in their dismay and their turmoil and their fear, they considered waves. They considered wind. They considered a ghostly figure above everything they had just recently experienced. You know, we can't live on life on all our experiences, but we can certainly live life on the experiences that we've had with God in our life. It's about getting new revelations about him all the time and what he's done in our life. See, are you considering everything else around you and considering not Jesus? Are you beholding the problems that have plagued you and not beholding Jesus? Have you considered the plan of redemption and the plan of salvation? Maybe you're out here today, but you figured, I got time for this. I got, I got some time. Jesus hasn't come back yet. I got some time to get saved. I got time to get in right relationship with God. I know I thought Pastor Jeff laid out a pretty good thing, could, case over the last couple weeks about you need to get in relationship with Father God because there is a place of heaven and there is a place of hell. Today, right now, is that time of grace. It's a time of grace where God is saying, I'm not doing anything. I'm not judging you right now. I'm giving you the opportunity to become one of my children. Now, if Jesus comes back in five minutes while you're down in the Praise Cafe having a boiled egg, and you're the one yelling, and you're not saved, and you're yelling, Lord, 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 he's, that's the time of judgment. It's too late. The time of grace in that area is over. You know what I'm saying? We don't know the time and place of his return, but it's coming. And I say you err on the side of caution and get born again today. So if he comes back tomorrow, you're not yelling, Lord, Lord, help me. And he's like, it's too late. You blew it. So one of my statements is, have you considered Jesus? 
if you haven't considered Jesus as Lord of your life, you need to. My equally important statement is this. If you're a born-again believer, have you considered Jesus? Two situations, one question. As a saved person, you need to be like the disciples. You need not to be like the disciples and consider everything else. And then panic. And then hopefully Jesus bails you out. Consider the things of God. Consider not the things not of God. Love that word consider. You're going to hear it 50 times today. It's going to be used more times today than you ever heard in anything. Consider Jesus or consider him not. Start pulling the flower out. He loves me. She loves me. He loves me not. She loves me not. Consider him. Consider him not. That's our plan today. So what are you considering? What are we beholding above all else? Today is no different. Are you focusing on the finished work of the cross? Or I like to say to myself, am I focusing on all the wrong stuff? There's Jesus and all the things what the word of God says, and then there's the wrong stuff. Pretty simple. Pretty black and white. A lot of people in the Christian world want to lump everything into a big gray pile. There's Jesus and there's not Jesus. And that's pretty black and white to me. You, the believer, possess the Holy Spirit on the side of you. Do you realize that? What's the one thing that disciples rowing on that boat did not possess? The Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They didn't. He had not yet come to live in them. We'll read about that in Acts 1. I'll read that in, in Acts 2. Where he says, wait, I'm going away. I'm going to send you the helper. And the helper did come. And then those, those guys that were toiling and, and rowing in a boat got 3,000 people saved in one day because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's some great news, maybe the best news ever. Like I said, you possess the Holy Spirit. That is the greatest news that I ever received in my life. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead on the inside? I can do what? And the word says I am who? Where, where, do I, where do I find out more about that? Show me. First of all, it starts about coming to church. Second of all, it starts about taking the message on Sunday and finding out for yourself what it says. Just getting a dose of, of one of pastor's sermons on a Sunday isn't going to set everybody free. It'll set some free, but it's our opportunity after we've been set free to consider Jesus the rest of the time as well. See, they could see Jesus, these disciples, they could see Jesus doing stuff in the physical all the time. They saw many miracles. But they also saw all the physical stuff that they knew growing up, about wind and waves and different things. You know, just think about this. If some guy says to them, why don't you guys come follow me? And they drop their nets and they go with them. And what have these guys done their whole life? They fished, fished some more. Some other guys did some other things. You know, they just did their basic little thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus is healing people, raising people from the dead, turning loaves into multitudes of loaves. Whoa. You know, it's pretty hard to handle with your, our little pea brain, isn't it? That's why we need the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, so we can have that wisdom of the Holy Spirit that allows us, that allows us to understand all that stuff. If you're trying to grasp the gospel message and the message of Jesus Christ between the ears, you know, Pop your head. You got to get it down inside that born again spirit and allow his wisdom to pour out of you. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the interceding of the Holy Spirit in our lives that allows us to consider the things of God. That's perfect. 
It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to consider the things of God. And it allows us to be sensitive to the things of God. As a believer, as a born-again believer, I have to know what I rightfully possess to be able to utilize that and go forth. If you don't know that you're a loaded gun with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to shoot anybody, get anything done. You're not. Nothing's going to get done. You can have a whole arsenal of weapons at your disposal, but if you never pull the trigger or load the gun with bullets, it's not gonna, they're not going to work. So if you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you need to release them. Let them out. You need to consider Jesus all the time. Mark 8, 16 through 21, I love this. Says, this is, uh, it says in verse 16, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Here's a bunch of guys that just saw two miracles of loaves. That were a couple loaves into thousands of loaves. And then they're going to go get in a boat, and they have one loaf of bread between them all, and they start panicking. We have no bread. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, which is a good thing. (laughs) I don't know what I'd say to them. You know, you can put in your own words right now. I'm not going to give you the words to say. They are reasoning because they have no bread. How many times do we reason stuff out? We get our list out, we write the pros and the cons on one side, right? Seven pros, six cons. I guess I'm buying the Porsche. (laughs) Right? I could write seven pros to buy a Porsche right now. It's awesome. It's really awesome. Goes fast. You know, Outweighs the fact that I can't afford it. Yeah, you know, there's seven of them. And that's what we do. We reason in our lives. Can't reason with the things of God. Can't. And that's what Jesus says to me. He says, but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? Seven. He just laid out the two miracles right there. He's like, so he said to them, how is it you do not understand? How is it you do not understand? See, God is always speaking to us. In every situation of our life, we just need to tune in and follow him. We need to tune in and believe. God is always showing us something. He's always showing you something. Right now, he's showing you something. Before you got here, when you leave here, he's going to show you something. But the problem is, what are we being sensitive to? What are we considering that's dulling our experience with God and opening up everything else? That's it. We all here, if you're a Christian, born-again Christian, had the, the same measure of faith. All the same. It's just a matter of what's dulling our senses. What's dulling our hearts towards God. And we all struggle with that. There's not one thing in our life, and there's not one person here that's got it made. There was only one perfect person, Jesus. One. Now maybe some of us are a little more perfect than others. Like Jason. You know. I don't know. Jim. <laughs> I'm just saying the thing is that we all struggle with being sensitive to other things 
The one constant thing is just about how much God loves us when we are insensitive to the things of him. He never fails. His love never runs out on us. We sing those songs not to just pass 20 minutes to get to the offering and then get to hear Pastor Jeff. We sing those songs to get us in the position to realize this is awesome. This is how much he loves me. That's why we sing about Jesus. We sing about his love. So Jesus asked them point blank, why do you reason about not having bread on the boat? Why do you reason? They have been thinking. I bet you this is what they were thinking. Man, we got on the boat, and over there at the other guy's house, we left seven fragments in a basket. Why didn't we grab those fragments? Maybe they were thinking that, right? I mean, this is, this is my mind thinking. They weren't thinking that at all. They were thinking and looking at the simple fact that they had lack in their life with the one person that just destroyed lack twice in front of them. See, they were reasoning and they were thinking and they were considering everything else aside who was going to be in the boat with them. He reminds us in t John 10, 10, that I have come that you may have life in abundance. I like how it says in the Amplified, a came that you that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's our Jesus. He wants us to have life in abundance to the overflow. That's what he did in the miracle of loaves, in abundance, till it overflowed. And here's the guys, here's the, here's the disciples, scared again. We have one loaf, there's 12, you include Jesus, that's 13. We only got one loaf. They start focusing and get sensitive to the lack in their life and insensitive and consider not the things of Jesus that he's already done for them. To you and me, he's saying, why do you worry about the in your individual problems and consider only natural ways or natural consequences? He says, when I've already finished off all those problems at the cross. It's already done. It's a done deal. You need to believe that and receive that, that everything that we've struggled with or will struggle with, Jesus had taken that to the cross for us. Verse 21, how is it you do not understand? It's because you can't understand anything when you're considering other options. It's like how annoying is it when you have a little brother or sister when you're growing up and you try to tell them something and run around like this, la, 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 la. I can't hear you, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Sometimes I think we do that as Christians. I can't hear you. I can see over here, this is, this is what I need to do, but we, we plug our ears and we... And we ignore God. But a loving God is always going to be there for us. Verse 21 says, how do you not understand? How do you not understand when just a few days earlier I did all these amazing things? So you're not complaining in their boat about, I miss my family, I miss my old job. The only thing they're complaining about is, we have one loaf of bread. What are we going to do? We can't go any, on any further. Our life stinks. We can't move. There's no way we can go across that, that lake in this boat. We have one loaf of bread. Don't you get it? And Jesus is saying, man, I made so many loaves of bread. That is nothing. So the thing in your life right now that you're fearing, that you're lacking, there's something that someone has here in their life that you're, it's not that big a deal to God. It's not. He's like, I've already done that. Look at my son Jesus. I've already removed that at the cross. He says, just consider me. Behold me. Submit to me, and then you can resist the enemy. See, I think when we throw out the line sometimes that 
you don't know what I'm going through or you don't know what I've been through. There's a self-centered line in the fact that we're saying we don't care what he went through or we don't realize what he went through. I'm not trying to be insensitive because there's people in here that have way bigger problems than I've ever dealt with. But when we focus on ourselves and say this is about me, then we're saying it was never really about Jesus. And it's all about him and what he's already done in our lives. That's why we need to consider him. Jesus said, did you see what I did with the loaves? That's his question to him. Did you see what I did? You know, stick with Jesus. They considered their own emotions over what Jesus had already done. And this is the place we need to get unstuck from, brothers and sisters. They considered their own emotions over what Jesus already did. That's that tipping scale, right? If it's like this, not good. If it's Jesus outweighing everything else, it's pretty good. We can't be like equal. Our brains and Jesus aren't equal at all. They don't work the same way. In Romans 4, Paul was writing about Abraham, who lived and received from God long before the law of Moses. And it says in Romans 4, 3, for what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What a great line. You having trouble today? Well, let's see. What does the scripture say? This is Paul preaching to us. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. It says in Hebrews 6 that, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. It was Abraham's faith that pleased God. Think about that. His faith in God is what pleased God. Abraham failed how many times in his life? He lied a couple different times about who his wife really was. He decided, you know what? God, I need an heir. And so I'm going to go outside, which you have planned for me, and I'm going I'm to have a, a kid with my wife's servant. And there, voila, I got, I got the heir. And God's like, no. So he did so many things outside of what God had planned for him. But he still believed in him. He still had planned for him. So he got back into that belief and he, and he, and he trusted God. It says in Romans 4, 17 through 22, at his, at, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is God talking to Abraham. In the presence of him, he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who in contrary to hope, which is in the natural, he believed in God's promise so that he became a father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. There's that word. He did not consider his own body that was already dead. Nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. This guy's 100 years old and his wife's 95. All right? This is the father of many nations. All right? We don't need a biological lesson here, do we? We get it, right? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief in that promise. Not unbelief in God. I believe everybody here believes in God, but sometimes we don't believe in all of his promises. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced. That's the thing. You've got to be fully convinced, right? That, he, that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted him to righteousness. Wow. So he conceives his son. Not weak in faith, did not consider his own body or Sarah's body, did not waver at what God had told him was going to happen, fully convinced 
that he could perform, and they conceived a child. That's amazing. This is a guy that lied. This is a guy that did things outside of God's plan for him all. So yes, he can use each and every one of us. If he can use Abraham, if he can use David, he can certainly use me. He can certainly use you. And David mur had people murdered. Still used them. Man after his own heart. He considered not the physical facts of himself and the bleak opportunity in his wife. To me, this is an amazing testimony of trusting God. It's also the reason many today, I think, that we might not receive a huge miracle because we, we forget the promises of God sometimes. If God tells you something, stick with it. We're the microwave generation. We want everything now, now, now. Like I said earlier today, God will deliver things now, now, now. We lay hands on people and they get healed instantly. I've seen it. I've been part of that. But sometimes things in our life take a little longer. It doesn't mean the promise isn't changed or it's different. It took the father of many nations not only a name change, but a hundred years to conceive what God had promised him. A hundred years. And he tried on his own to do it on his own and failed. If I was to have everybody raise their hand in here, we'd all probably raise two hands and two legs and say how many times I tried to do it on my own and I failed. But I could also say how many people in here God has used and done mightily great things in your life. I think everybody in here would have the opportunity to raise both their hands and both their legs and say, God's used me. He's done great things in my life. That's what's amazing about Father God. He doesn't see us. And that was the whole thing Abraham. He didn't see himself the way everybody else saw him. Or the way he felt in the morning when he maybe couldn't roll out of bed as quick as he did at one time. And then God says to him, this is what's going to happen. And then like, no. Are you serious? That's what you want me to do? He didn't think like that at all. He said, all right, if this is God's promise, I'm fully convinced of it, I'm going to get the job done. See, a lot of times we try to use our faith to overcome the fear and unbelief that we've planned in our life when we could have just maybe not gone there. If we consider Jesus, we consider God before we make decisions, I think a lot of our decisions are going to turn out better and a lot of the consequences are going to be certainly better. If we would simply just consider Jesus above everything else, we would make life so much easier. Isn't that just a great sermon? Believe Jesus, not the wrong stuff. Believe Jesus, and life will be easier. If you break it down, it's a true statement. It really is. I'm a living testimony. I look at my buddies here on the front row, and Pastor Jeff, they would agree with me that doing stuff on your own in the pre-saved world and the post-saved world, doing stuff on our own doesn't work out as well than when you let God help you do things. It's simple. It really is. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some may count slackness, but is long-suffering, which means he's patient to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here today, he doesn't want anyone to perish. And what I think he's saying is he doesn't want anyone to perish after they die by going to hell, but he doesn't want anyone to perish today on earth either. He wants you to have life in the full till it overflows today. It was John 10.10 10 that said that. It was Jesus who said that. This is just me picking up on that in, in 2 Peter 3.9 where he says, I don't want anyone to 
to perish. And Jesus said, I came in John 3, 16, that no one would perish. So when I read that, I'm like, okay, that's confirmation. Nobody should perish. So if you're born again, and you're not considering Jesus in everything you do, it's okay. Just turn and go the other way. Because Jesus, because God doesn't want anyone to perish. Not now, and not ever. I'm getting close to being done here, Jason. So I think I'm going to stop here. I'll invite the worship team up. I just got a couple more things. See, the Lord does not control everything. He doesn't. He gives us, as a Christian, choice in life. I believe God is sovereign. I, think he be- I believe he created everything. But God's will isn't going to come to pass in everybody's life. Because why? We choose not to do God's plan in our life. So if you're just bumping along thinking that, oh, if this is God's will, you know, if I get some sort of disease attached to me, this just must be, this must be God's will. He just put this on me. This must be my phase in life. This must be the season I'm going through. God does not do that to people. He doesn't. He doesn't put things in your life like that. He doesn't. And those people who would teach you that, oh, the reason why you're, you're, st- you're struck with this is because God has done this to you you know, I've heard people tell me that, you know, if it wasn't for this, I would not have been able to preach to this person. Okay, I understand that you may be taking this opportunity to preach this person, but certainly that person was there before you got sick. So my point being is, the, the will of God is there. When we consider Jesus, I think we will fulfill the will of God. But there's many of us, probably all of us, that haven't fulfilled all the will of God in our life. We forget we choose other things. We consider not Jesus, and we consider things in the world. And God, who is rich in mercy and love and all those things, says to us, it's okay. Just turn and come back to me. And if you've never turned to Jesus, he's saying, here's today. I don't want anyone to perish. I want all of people on earth, I want everyone to be counted as one of my children. He says, just come to me. He says, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it says. So I'm not going to have any prayer for you today on that. But I would want you to consider that. That in your time, maybe it's here during the last song that you could just stand and say, Father God, I believe you. I believe that you sent your son just for me. I believe in his death and resurrection. I believe that you've taken my sins to the cross and I believe that I'm born again and you will be rightfully saved. And then you can step into what the word of God says. Then you can allow that Holy Spirit to just pour into your life. If you're here today and you considered that question long ago and you would count yourself as a born again Christian and maybe you haven't considered the Lord Jesus or the word of God as much in your life, maybe you haven't ever Maybe your only revelation of your salvation was your original revelation. And God's saying, I got more revelation for you. So I'm going to speak to you today for those people. If you're still stuck at the original revelation of Jesus Christ, today's your day to move forward and get new and fresh revelations about who you are. The last thing I'm going to tell you is how much God loves you. There's too many people today that don't know any love from God. I don't know if that was good English, but it just came out. 
I don't care. I'm, I'm from Canada, so I get a, I get a break. All right. So here's the thing. As we stand and worship, I know Jason's going to lead us to worship. Uh, Cassie and I will be up here for prayer. I know Jim will be up here for prayer as well. And so if you feel like you need to come up for prayer, we'll pray for anything for you. Whatever it is you need prayer for. I know the last couple of weeks that Jeff has talked about being born again and about salvation. So maybe you've the last couple of weeks you've been thinking about that and you just need to come up. Today's the day where you're going to rededicate your life to Christ. Or maybe today's the day that you're going to consider Jesus for the first time. So the last thing I'm going to leave you with, if you put up the last slide there, Evan, is this, simple. So believer or unbeliever, consider Jesus. Don't weigh the options. Don't ponder both sides. Choose life. Consider Jesus. Amen? Father God, we thank you and praise you so much for what you're doing in each and everyone's life. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to those who don't know you. That today is the day of repentance, Father God, they will choose you and move in that direction. And Father God, I also thank you for speaking to those with a loving and kindness, Father God, about who have considered you before and maybe gone away. And Father God, we thank you that you're bringing them back to your fold right now. In Jesus' name, amen.